and welcome back to another edition of the SBK betting podcast where the men alongside me thank thankfully not myself but every other person on this team managed to get a winning nap in last week so we're turning in flying form and pleasingly uh, Ross and James with Hilt in what was a fabulous race last weekend um, they were winners at three to one and uh, that was a a good a good result um, despite TC putting up the uh, the horse opposing them, but we like to see a nap like Hilts coming in through, but TC would have been delighted to see third round absolutely bolt up at three to one. So we had a good weekend last weekend. We're coming into one of, if not the busiest Saturdays that I have seen in a long time. 10 meetings across the UK and Ireland on Saturday, eight in the UK. And uh, yeah, so there's plenty for us to choose from. And although there is a lot of meetings, there is no standout race, but we've gone out, we're going to pick out essentially uh, the best of the action at Haydock and the best two-year-old race on the meeting on uh, at Beverly a little later on. But we'll start with Haydock with the 145, the Achilles Stakes, run over five furlongs. It is a listed race, which I didn't think this time last year I would see Dragon Symbol appear in. Uh, based on his earlier form, he's rated a lot higher than a lot of these. He's got a rating of 112, which is seven pounds clear of the rest. And he's 94 favourite because of that. Clarendon House is 6 1, Tab Deeb is 15 2, Atlas Bay 8 1, Ainsdale 7 1, 10 1. Bigger the rest. As I say, Dragon Symbol, base ability he's shown at the top end of last season. He should be capable of this listed race. TC, I'll bring you in first. What's going on with him? Did he blow up last time when he need and need that first run with Roger Varian? Can he bounce back from essentially being a little bit keen, I thought, early on at York? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Obviously, Dragon Symbol last year proved that he was a proper group one sprinter. Um, we saw him compete in the likes of Commonwealth Cup, July Cup, and he was bang there in the firing line in both of those races and in, in further group ones later in the year. Now, his last two efforts have been slightly disappointing. He finished 14th at Ascot on Champions Day, albeit the ground had gone for him then. And then on his comeback, I thought he showed good early speed, um, completely flattened out and, and blew out in the closing stages. Now, maybe he needed the run that day. Interesting, he's moved to Roger Varian. Um, great trainer, but unproven with sprinters, we should say. Uh, moved from Archie Watson, who's a phenomenal trainer with uh, precocious types. So it's interesting to see how he's going to get on Dragon Symbol. I do think he deserves to be favourite. Um, he's definitely the horse to beat in here. He's the only proper Group 1 contender. And he's got a perfect draw in gate five. This horse showed so much early speed last time out at York in, in, that, in that better race than uh, he's going to be running in here. As I say, he flattened out. But if he could sustain that effort, which last year he proved that he can over this kind of trip, then I think he's by far the horse to beat. You have to run to a mark of 110 to basically win this race if you look on the trends. And only three of the 11 runners in this year's field have ever run to 110. Dragon Symbol is obviously one of them. He's the head of the, head of the field. He's definitely the horse that I want to be with, Jess. Yeah, he. I feel like they're giving him this option. He's got, I think he's got a, a an entry in the King Stand, the, Jub, the the Platinum Jubilee, the July, July Cup later on in the season, all Group One races. Get the feeling, Tom, that they're giving him this option just to prove himself, prove that he is of that quality, and beat this field and beat it well. He should do to even take up those chances at Ascot. Yeah, 100%. They didn't really find much out last time in the Duke of York Clip Logistics. I think Roger Varian kind of used that as a pipe opener. And this will be the proper test, whether we'll see the real dragon symbol that we saw all of last year, or whether he's just a bit regressive um, now he's entered his four-year-old season. I hope that's not the case because he was one of the leading lights last year. It was a joy to watch him on the racetrack every time he turned up. 
he had a real heavy uh, campaign, which may play against him this season. But I just hope that's not the case. He's definitely the horse to beat. He's the group one contender against unproven horses that are stepping up in grade. Um, Dragon Symbol is a selection. Okay, so Tom is keen on Dragon Symbol, has got confidence in this horse. Um, James, I'll come to you next because from a trainer's perspective, having a horse like this is quite frustrating because you know he's got a clear amount of ability, um, which he showed this time last year. But he uh, he's kind of regressed slightly from those very good runs. And he, uh, it's, it's, it's a tricky one as a trainer, what you do with him. Where do you stand with Dragon Symbol? Well, it's a strange one that he moved yard anyway, really, because I don't think Archie Watson did anything wrong with him. And it's going to be hard for Roger Varian to gauge what level he's actually at at home in some ways, because Archie ran him a lot in the winter. He had four wins in a row. And then he went to the top grade and, and why he didn't win at the top level, arguably he was first past the post um, at, uh, at Royal Ascot. He just became a bit frustrating. And I just wonder at home, Roger Varian, as TC said, he's not renowned for out and out sprinters. He's, he's more, a lot of the big yards, they like Southern Furlong, Marlers and gaming towards the middle distances. So I just wonder if he needed that first round badly or if the horse is becoming a little bit frustrating and perhaps stable switch hasn't rejuvenated him as such and maybe it hasn't worked out now opposition wise he's dropping into a listed race he's clearly the best and even a repeat of a fifth or sixth in a king stand etc would see him win this race quite nicely and it's a listed race it's not a strong listed race either but for what we saw at york i can't go with him so i'm going to take dragon symbol on and go elsewhere and clarendon house is a horse i like for midland park my only worry is weather forecast i would like it to dry out a little bit because he's got loads of form and firm ground at Bath. And when you handle the road that's Bath, you generally want a sound surface. And who knows what Haydock will provide. I don't think we'll know until the first couple of races have been run. So that's the negative for Clarendon House, because I think it might be a little bit on the easy side at Longchamp. Russell beat him ahead a good on his return. He looked a little bit, as they'd come off at a run in the paddock, um, I felt that um, he just found a little bit gassy in the early stages, and Russell would have already had a run and getting the five pound was just race fit and ready. And out of two of them going forward, Clarendon House was the one I took out of it. Um, good soft ground at Longchamp. He ran well, stepped up to Group Three Company. But I thought he was a horse that, that could well progress into this grade. And, and Dragon Symbol, look, he he might well win quite easily. And I'm mean, not going to know anything new. But there's just question marks. Stable switch, and he wasn't as good at York as what he was um, this time last year. So six to one for Clarendon House with uh, rain forecasters saying, James, it's never, you're never really certain whether um, they've done any watering at all. Obviously, they're racing there last week, but there was rain forecast today and meant to be dry and pretty warm as well over the next couple of days. So Clarendon House, the idea was basically the, the uncertainty whether Dragon Symbol is going to perform to, his, to the level that we know he can do. And uh, Ross, I think that's what the, this whole race is sort of revolved around is, if he performs, Dragon Symbol will be very hard to beat. But he's just becoming a bit of an enigma, maybe having a, the C next to his name, a total not might time will tell with, with him. Um, that could be a, a question mark if he doesn't continue if he doesn't reproduce his form. That's what I was sort of thinking. And uh, I, I sort of agree with James that he just really needs to to bounce right back for me to to get too to get too confident about his prospects. Absolutely. I've got very little to add to anything that the three of you have said. I think um, the, the, the slightly slower ground certainly inconvenienced uh, Clarendon House last time at Longchamp. I completely agree with TC that, you know, Dragon Symbol probably hasn't got to run anywhere near his best to win this, but he has looked severely regressive and, and 
my angle into this was exactly the same as James's. Roger Varian is is shooting blind somewhat in that he mm. doesn't know what a top form dragon symbol looks like. So he's only going to find out that he's got him right when he when he puts up a, a top notch performance again. So Clarendon House was the one for me. Um, again, you've got to be a little bit concerned about the the ground, as as James said. You know, he is the least exposed of all. He's only had eight runs. I mean, Attergirl, who's a three year old, has only had seven, but you know, he's he's got plenty of progress still in him. Um, and he looked very progressive up until that run at run at Longchamp. You might point to Robert Cowles. I think he's zero from 19 this month or in the last 14 days. But only three of those have come at uh, odds of shorter than 10 to 1. And he's had a good few plays. So I'm not overly concerned with that, although you would like to see, see perhaps a few more wins. And then just yet another jockey in Kevin Stock. You know, I'm not... Not a huge fan of that sort of new jockeys each time. I do quite like to see partnerships remain intact, but I just thought at the prices, um, Dragon Symbol had to be taken on and Clarendon mm. House was probably the logical one. Okay, another um, favour uh, for Clarendon House along with James Ross's favouring him as well. James mentioned uh, the form with Rossell, um, a horse that... Uh, was one at Goodwood um, when he beat Clarendon House. I thought it was a really nice performance in a handicap and he showed like he definitely deserves to take a race like this, take a race like this on at York last time. He uh, he was beaten comprehensively in the end by a horse that he was giving over stone to. And um, I think that was a very good performance despite things just not going his way. He came from quite a long way back for James Doyle and uh, I think that effort could definitely be upgraded. And I'm very happy to take on Dragon Symbol as well and with a horse that, considering he beat uh, Clarendon House by a head, he's, uh, as it stands, a much bigger price than him, 10 to 1. And um, I would be hopeful that he can give a really good account of himself in a race which is pretty competitive as it always is, um, these uh, sprint races. So, uh, Russell for me at 10 to 1, Dragon Symbol for TC and Ross and James vote for Clarendon House. So that is the Achilles Stakes at 145 at Haydock on Saturday. We're going to move forward to the 55 Pinnacle Stakes. And uh, we've got a favourite in the shape of Cela Rossa making her a uh, seasonal reappearance at the age of four. She's five to two. Climate is four to one for Jessica Harrington, bringing her over. Noonstar, nine to two. Lady Hayes, 11 to two. Delectable U, 17 to two, along with Nell Quickly. Now, William Haggs won this race in 2019 with Classique. Cela Rossa, so consistent in handicaps and then stepped up in class with ease in a listed race on her final start. And look, what can we say about William Haggis at the moment? Um, Ross, uh, I'll come to you first because... I think he's touching is turning to gold. I feel like the moment you say that something might switch, but last weekend was um, a great uh, emphasis of the type of horses he can train a, a group, a group uh, one winner in the shape of the classic winner over in Germany and in, in the, in the, in his success. And obviously Alan Kerr as well, he can just sort of train them up all and see Rossa looks like she could potentially be even better than this, uh, but she does need to, be race fit against a few of them that have hold that race fitness edge yeah that's probably the only hole in her isn't it she'd be shorter still I think if she had a had had a previous race but I I just thought she was a standout in this um she's been very progressive her only disappointing run and she was still group three placed was in the princess royal stakes at Newmarket and they perhaps in hindsight would have wanted to have made more use of her they rode her with a bit more restraint on that occasion and then perhaps didn't didn't suit her She'll stay this trip really well. 
as you pointed out, William Haggis, 41% the last time I looked. He's absolutely flying along. Tom Marcondon, of course, be riding everything with confidence because you do when you know the yard is going so well. And I just thought that the two obvious ones against her, Noon Star, despite her pedigree out of midday, still looks like she perhaps is a bit keen for the 12 furlongs and is better at 10 at the moment. Um, and Clyde Mitt has got to step up. You know, she's looked a bit exposed at the two tries uh, at 10 furlongs in group twos for Phillies. Extra distance might suit her, but uh, I'm not so sure. I just thought Celia Rosso looked absolutely the, the stone, stone-hardened logical choice. Yeah, Noon Star, I was disappointed with that run after making after winning so well at York. But they're funny, these fillies, you know, you know, you know horses, you breed horses. they they can throw bad performances and you can forgive them for it because they they have sort of minds of their own, especially as they get older. Yeah, she looks like she's getting more buzzy with racing, though. That's the concern for me. She doesn't look like she's learning to settle. She looks like she's almost getting more uh energized about her racing more adrenaline coming through her and that's making her harder to settle not easier to settle mm. uh, you know pedigree Galileo out of midday you would say would be a, a 12 furlong horse all day long and she just doesn't look like she's yet learned to race in the manner that's going to see her get that trip well enough whereas Cela Rosa absolutely will and I think they'll ride with that in mind and I think it'd make her very hard to beat yeah, sure. So, Celia uh, Rossa, 5 to 2 for Ross. Tom, uh, I looked through this race and I, I like, love seeing Dennis Coakley with a, with a nice horse. Nell Quickly um, is in there. He actually, his last major winner, according to big race wins that you can find on the Racing Post, was in the Pinnacle Stakes in 2015 with Miss Marjorie. So, he knows how to find fillies like this. She's quite a big price. She's, you know, you'd imagine if she was with the likes of, William Haggis going through the handicap ranks quite progressively. Yes, she's a, a, a lot lower than Celia Rossa, but it is sometimes a case of put, put them with a different bunch of connections and they'd be a shorter price. What, why would Nell quickly not strike as a horse that could be at, be at a level closer to Celia Rossa, even though she's 17 to 2? Well, you, you touched on probably the main angle, which is the connections. Uh, Dennis Coakley is not known for his group winners. Um, as you say, won this race before, but Nell quickly also has to improve again. Now, that's all she did last year. She was winning race after race, finishing second on one occasion. She's taken big steps forward, but she's still still a good seven pounds below Cela Rosa on official ratings. And she's coming off a layoff like Cela Rosa is. I think she probably deserves to be around seven to one rather than, you know, tens or a double figure price. Um, but still, she has to take that step forward. Actually, I, I'm with Celia Rosa like Ross, but it's mainly just due to a process of elimination. I mean, Noon Star, I was very disappointed for her last time. She seems to be a bit of a, um, a just a disappointment in general, not living up to the hype of her amazing pedigree. Climate um, is only a maiden winner. That's the only success she's got to her name. Lady Hayes is a very good filly, but she's just struggled to get wins on the board and she needs soft ground. They were actually going to send her over to America at one point, but obviously that would be a stupid decision given she needs to give underfoot. And they've, they've realized that now and that she stayed over here. Now quickly, as we've touched on, needs to improve again from her handicap wins, now stepping up to a group three, invite disappointing two runs this year. And then the other four just have no chance on official ratings. So it should be a process of elimination for Cela Rosa. She's also a four-year-old. Four-year-olds have won six of the last nine editions of this race. William Haggis, 41% of the last fortnight, as Ross said. And she's just got a beautiful pedigree. Also, that Lingfield victory last time out was one of the most sparkling victories I've seen from a filly at the track. Maybe it was the step up to mile five that suited or just the track's um, topography. Maybe that suited Cela Rosa. But she scooted clearing the straight. She looked like a completely different horse. And whether that was the trip or the track, I think it's mainly the trip. In fact, I think she stayed every yard of that. 
she's only going to take another step forward this year, providing she's fit. I think she's by far the horse to beat again. Also worth pointing out, and James, I'll get your thoughts on this on getting horses fit and ready to run their first go after 162 days off the track from going from a two to a three-year-old. She won and won easily. Yes, it was a novice event at Chepstow um, last year, but that's uh, it's it's no mean doing, especially for Philly, especially as they get old. Sometimes you do just tend to need it. Uh, possibly. Um, the horses that William Haggis has got, though, he's got so many top-class individuals that, that she would have done some quite serious bits of work um, with some some high-class individuals. It would be harder for Dennis Coakley, on the other hand, because she's his best horse. And whatever he works out with, it's quite likely, I'd imagine, that she works all over the opposition, whereas um, William Haggis can put 100 horses next to Silla Rosso and, and, and get an exact guide as to how her fitness is at Newmarket in particular. I'm sticking with uh, Noonstar. Um, again, what the guys are saying, I was disappointed at Nottingham, to be honest. I thought she scrambled home um, to beat Technique and, and didn't build in it at York. Climate, the Dahlia wasn't a strong Dahlia at all this time around. And um, Lady Hayes has to be led to the start. She's a tricky, tricky Kodiak filly. And she surprised me by how well she ran at uh, Goodwood last time. But um, she's vulnerable. And now quickly, I think you make a good point, to be honest, Jess. She, she is too big a price, bearing in mind both her and, and Celia Rossa were rated 84 back in August. And... Um, now quickly won her last two starts and then Celia Rossa just happened to go up in grade and actually got beaten in a handicap mm. um, off 85 at York. So then probably not as much between them as the prices suggest, but I think the fact that William Haggis is at 41% strike rates, uh, loads of seconds as well, not like there's any winners coming and they've all run in exceptional races. I think she's probably improved plenty from three to four. So she's a, she's a selection, but it's a race where, as TC says, it's more question marks against her rivals and really strong confidence behind her. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. And I think when there are lots of question marks against the others, one that a horse that doesn't have question marks is now quickly just, and I, I want to give a good word for her just because she, she hasn't done that much wrong, but yes, yeah, she might not, she might need it maybe a little bit more than Celia Ross says. James has quite rightly put the one that I'm going to, just put more faith into than James suggests is Lady Hayes. Yes, she looks a bit tricky, but I think the best form in the book from, from looking at her races, yes, it was quite a while ago, but I think this could be some excuses from her latter races where she she might have she might have just found been found out a little bit of the trip and and in class when she was behind a shadow. But her second behind Alpinista is Lady Hayes um in the Lancashire Oaks last year. Alpinista obviously gone on to be um a, a multiple group winner. And I don't wouldn't take that lightly at all. Yes, she got plenty of weight from that Philly, but that was a really good run. And I I thought was very encouraged by her second it would um at the end of April. I think she can come on for it. And Ray Dawson when he He's up on uh, Roger Varian's horses and he's getting lots of opportunities with him. He's got a really good strike rate. So I'm I'm quietly hopeful that she's going to put in a good performance at 11 to 2. I'll take on James um, and Tom and Ross, who are all confident that Steve LaRosa is going to make a winning reappearance at 5 to 2. Um, okay, we'll head into Beverly. This is the two year old trophy, uh, a condition stakes um, at 315. £40,000 on offer. And we have eight runners, which is incredibly disappointing. But I suppose it's only because we've got so much racing on Saturday that there are countless amount of options for these horses. Plenty probably thought they should go elsewhere and that this would be competitive or they, they're waiting for something else. But it is a, is a weak lineup. And actually, there aren't 
there isn't more than 16 runners across the country this weekend. Um, and that's just a, another emphasis on too much racing. But that's another topic for another day. Um, we've got Whistle Blue, who's seven to four favourite for this, uh, for Eve Johnson, Horton, Charlie Bishop. Rogue Spirits, nine to two, along with Chateau. GM Jungle, six to one. The Riddler, 15 to two. On Your Dreams, 12 to one. Chattel Village is 14 to one. And Corporate Raider, 20 to one. Ross, you, uh, you write very popular juveniles, juveniles to watch column. Um, and I, he's been hiding this slightly from us. Um, I've seen it because it's, it's very much um, incorporated with racing TV. But uh, you, you say that you love your jumps racing, but we know that you specialise in these two-year-olds. So where do you stand in this on this field and, and what we've got to look forward to uh, in this uh, pretty prestigious race? Well, Eve Johnson-Houghton has done very well in the last couple of seasons with her two-year-old. She had Chipotle in the, in the same colours last year, relatively inexpensively bought. Whistling flute certainly couldn't put you off him, but he's just at a short price. And there just happens to be one that went into my uh, winners in waiting piece for Racing TV in this corporate raider. Um, made his debut only last week at Catrick. Jumped really smartly and looked like he was running a promising race and then just sort of fell apart after a furlong and looked thoroughly outpaced and then absolutely flew home under very, very tender handling from Paul Mulrennan. Um, the pedigree is is certainly leaning towards six, seven, even a mile. Um, but Beverly is a stiff finish. He's drawn out fairly wide, so he's not going to jump and go forward. You see plenty of two-year-old races change dramatically in the last furlong, even half furlong at, at Beverly. Um, I think there's plenty of pace on in this. And the way he came home gives me some hope this stiff five would suit. And I just think it's interesting that they've gone again just a week later uh, to, to sort of um, aim for this pot rather than just a regular maiden or a novice. So at a big price, uh, he's interesting to me, um, but Whistling Flute has certainly looked smart. Even in defeat, I think the, the horseman Andrew Bourne is Belkeel that, that beat him last time is a, is a decent one. And there was a good gap back to the third. So I wouldn't put anyone off the favourite, but I thought a big price. Um, in these two odd races where it's, it's very difficult to assume they're just going to back up a run, um, I thought Corporate Raider had plenty of promising signs in that run at Catrick, so I'll I'll go with him. Yeah, twenty to one for Corporate Raider, and um, he definitely in the notes he, he was a real eye catcher. I remember watching the race and thinking he was an intriguing sort. So come on for from it. Um, so um, one to note from from Ross anyway, and good to see him in here. And with the with the eight runners, it's an idea. He's an ideal each way bet. Um, in a race like this, I suppose. Um, Tom, on to you next. And thoughts on this race, how it's shaped up. As I said, I was hoping that we'd have more runners to, to choose from and um, a little bit more um, to work with. But we are where we are. Um, what have you been most impressed with from there, from sort of debut or, or first or second runs? Yeah, it's an intriguing race, as you say, not the numbers we want. There's no runners from the Cool Silk Partnership, which is the biggest surprise of all, given this is one of the races they target with their two-year-olds. Um, but there are still some promising sorts in here. Rogue Spirit's the likely leader from gate two. He was impressive first time up at Beverly um, at this track, so he's got course form, which is crucial here. But he seemed to weaken late on, and that was just enough to put me off. Don't get me wrong, I think he's going to be right there in the firing line at the finish, um, but I'm just not 100% sure he's got the stamina to live with his far, equally fast horses. Obviously, that maiden first time up was a, week, was a weaker race than this. You need to be drawn low, basically, to win this race. Um, you need to race towards that stand side, uh, that far side rail, Otherwise, you've got a very slim chance. If you get lost in the middle of the course, it's so difficult to make up ground. And I'm picking a horse called JM Jungle. 
who's drawn in stall one, should get the perfect toe into the race behind the aforementioned rogue spirit. JM Jungle's by Bungle in the Jungle, who won this race in 2012, and also styled Jungle in the Bungle, who won this race in 2018. So he's bred for the job. John Quinn targeted a, a very rich race at Hamilton in the Sunday series last time with this horse, and he scooted up the near side rail after getting trouble in running. The runner-up from that race is subsequently won by five and a quarter lengths, giving the form a huge boost. I think at around six to one, JM Jungle's the play. Okay, so Jim Jungle six to one uh, for Tom. Um, James, well, as we're saying, need to look through form bits and pieces of the form that we've got. Potential. Um, Ross has got a, an eye-catching horse that's ran well up to a level um, on his debut performance. You've got horses coming in just off the back of one one run, and and those winners have got to give it just a little bit more away. Well, how do you figure out it at this stage of the of the year? Like you know, and we've got to, we'll get to Royal Ascot soon, where we we're looking at sort of those newcomer winners and working out you know who's the best of of, of a bunch where it's there's so much limited amount of form to go on. Yeah, there's a lot of guesswork in, in how much horses are going to improve or regress. Some some do, um, and how much strength and depth there were to the races. Whistle and Flute definitely deserves to be favourites. Uh, the Bath race, I don't think it was a particularly great race. We had a runner in the contest, but um, he quick and clear quite nice and he ran an absolute stormer at Ascot and he was well backed at Ascot. He was 13 to 8 favourites. Um, Stall 5, he could be a little bit on the wing, the son of Dandy Man, but he had a nice shield win in these colours, blatant at Leicester on, on uh, Monday. So the team are in form, but he's skinny enough. So I'm going to take him on with Rogue Spirit. What's interesting is that he's been gelded since he won at um, Beverly, what, 26 days ago, which was a pretty quick return. The young you gelded and the quicker they do recover from it, but he was pretty badly behaved in the, in the preliminaries. Um, he was heavily backed, but was weak in the market on the run to the off because of his behaviour beforehand. And um, the fact he went on and won, he probably tired because he wasted a bit of his energy messing about and, and they were very positive about him. Clearly there's physical issues or something wrong with him because the stud fee, when the mayor was covered was 85,000 euro. We get, you only made 11,000 pounds at the sales. So you've got that slight negative, but Tom Clover team have really talked him up before he ran on debut and then he got the job done despite being a, a little bit tricky. So there might be a lot of improvement and he's got that Beverly form because TC, I agree about Chateau. I loved him on debut actually at Salisbury. He was very professional in the paddock. He was just a little bit too relaxed and um, not quite sharp enough. And while he will win a lot of some nice races, I think. I think six will probably see him in a better light and he might just be caught out by some really, really sharp two-year-olds early doors um, because that remarkable force boosted the form and winning at Musselburgh for Armour Racing. So I like this race. It's a competitive race. Yes, it may be a shame we've only got the eight, but with Beverly, the more runners you have, the more the draw rules horses out. So I can see why some people haven't taken a chance as such in, in this race and um, Rogue Spirit is the one for me. Okay, Rogue Spirit is nine to two, actually same price as it stands with Chateau, the horse that we're, I think, say everyone's quite treated by Andrew Balding for Andrew Balding's team, and um, uh, we uh, um, corporate raider the other big outsider for Ross at twenty to one. Everyone in a nice enough word for Whistle and Flute at seven to four, and he's he's going to be my selection. He was very precocious, obviously winning his first race at Bath, bolted up really, and even if it was weak, he just had to. Do what was necessary of him. I think he bumped into potentially Andrew Golding's best two-year-old in Bakil, who um, I really, really like when he won at Ascot. And I think that he could go on and do better things. And the horse that was third that day, Fragrance, is on and in Frank that form. And I uh, I, I liked uh, that he sort of kept up his task 
um, in a, in a race that probably will work out quite well in the future. Um, he obviously is favourite seven to four, but as as the guy was saying, deserves to be. And um, coming out of stall five might not have been might not be ideal. Then from what Tom's saying, but um, he should have a really good account of himself, and he's he's clearly he's clearly been ready since early doors, as he was one of the first two year olds to run and win. So whistle and fleet for me at seven to four. So that's it. We've had a look at three races on a very, very busy Saturday. And um, we're going to look at our naps and next best. But before we get there, um, I'm going to let you know that next week we've obviously got a lot going on because we'll have uh, the Coronation Cup, the Oaks and the Derby, the feature races um, on the Platinum Jubilee weekend. And we're going to have a full Epsom previews um, on this podcast. But we've also got plenty going on on the YouTube channel. So please subscribe. And um, as, as as I said, plenty of content coming on the YouTube channel for SBK. So that will be something not to miss um, ahead of after this weekend. So hopefully we'll give you um, something to enjoy this over the course of this Saturday before we get there. So we'll, as mentioned at the top of this show, we've had some successful naps and that's where we're going to go to next. Some naps and next best. We can go anywhere you want on Saturday. There's so much to look through. So Tom Collins, where have you gone? Yeah, well, the nap, I'm going to stick to a race we've already covered, and that's Dragon Symbol in the 145 at Haydock, the Achilles Stakes. Now, I'm taking a risk. Obviously, last time out, he wasn't anywhere near his best. I just think he's going to bounce back. I'm happy to forgive a horse one run, no matter what the situation. He showed enough speed that day for me to want to plunge him uh, into him. And he's a reasonable price as well against completely inferior opposition. And the next best is Liverpool Knight in the 310 at Chester. Intriguing race this. Obviously, Chester's some punters' favourite tracks many punters don't like it at all the draw plays a big part in this there are three real informed horses in this race old port who's been a winner for this podcast before and then the hat trick seeking pair heart of soul and spirit mixer the latter's definitely a major player for andrew Baldwin, who's got a good record at, at chester but i like this liverpool knight he had six runs for john gosden early in his career and then was sold on for forty-five thousand to alan king um, alan king won a, re- a real nice all-weather handicap with him good for the grade, obviously, uh, in context. And he bolted up that day before and a quarter lengths. And then I think they just ran him a bit too quick on the 11th of November, just 10 days after his victory. And he finished third. He made his move wide on the bend at Chelmsford, just not ideal. And it was also a pretty good race for the grade. Now he's moved to Kevin Philippard de Foy's, which I think is a real intriguing move. One of the young, shrewd trainers in the game. He's drawn in gate one. I think Martin Harley will sit in about around mid-division, try to skim the rail throughout and hopefully beat the likes of Spirit Mixer and Heart of Soul. We'll head to James next, your Napa next best. Yeah, so now I'm going to stick with Road Spirit in two-year-old race at, uh, at Beverly. That's say interesting that he's been gilded since he made a winning debut. I know he's highly regarded at Tom Clover's. I'm going to stick at Beverly for the race there after the 350. And this one is Nikki for Jed O'Keefe and Jack Garrity. And Nathaniel Philly, she ran in the Lingford Oaks trial where Road Millennium, who um, we gave a good shout to, won that race for Tom Clover and the same owners as um, Rogue Spirit. Too much for her stepping up to, to this company on that occasion, but she looked quite progressive previously. She won her maiden at Lingfield in September. That was a good second on her return at Newcastle. So I think in a, in a race which lacks a bit of strength and depth, um, some quite exposed three-year-olds for the time of year, Nikki is the next best on what's a, a very busy Saturday, but it's a tricky Saturday. Nothing particularly stood out for me. So hopefully those two can get on the board. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's, a, it's a very tricky Saturday afternoon indeed. Okay, thanks to James. Um, and Ross, finally to you. So the nap comes in the 440 at Haydock, uh, Vintage Choice. Went into my notebook after a good debut third 
and then Julie did win next time, but was truthfully a bit disappointed how much hard work he made of it. Um, was then a good uh, run in third, uh, third time out, um, being an 87 rated horse, giving him seven pound. Um, he's been gelded since, which is a good thing because he is a slightly nervous, edgy sort. Um, looking back now, that David run was very smart. He was behind Huya Mill, 105, and Dawn of Liberation, 107. So a mark of 87 here uh, should be more than workable. And then the next best comes in the 205 at Beverly, uh, rich hand-trained, distinguished lady. Uh, she didn't get home over six furlongs at Newmarket behind a pretty impressive performer of uh, Godolphins. And she was hassled. She was never really relaxed through that. Um, drops back to five furlongs here, nicely drawn in store one, as TC's mentioned earlier. Um, by Zustar, who's doing great things down in Australia. It's yet to really hit the hit the ground here, but they're well thought of. They've made good prices at the earning sales, and I think she can uh, show the benefit of dropping back in trip um, and from that nice draw. Okay, well, thanks to Ross. I'm pleased to say, well, last week it was a bit of fun us taking each other on in these naps and X-Best, but we're all going different places, um, which makes it a little bit more interesting, I suppose, something for everyone. Um, myself, my nap is going to be Happy Power in the 3.30 at Haydock, which is the John of Gaunt States, the Group 3. Uh, he's got to beat the last year's winner, winner Kinross, but he's got really good um, form from this season on his side. Um, he's race fit. Um, he was a good winner. Yes, it was a three-runner race that last time, but he couldn't have done it more impressively, and he beat a good um, Godolphin sort in doing so. Um, and uh, David Probert back on board. He's been doing really well with him um, since he's uh, taken over the reins from Sylvester de Souza's the King Power Racing um, split happened. And um, I think they've got this horse in really good order. Um, I think in a race which does won't necessarily take a huge amount of winning, the, he's a really good option and against the favourite Kinross who, who needs to come back uh, and win on a seasonal reappearance after a long time off the track. Um, next best is going to be at Chester as well in the 3.45. I was really uh, pleased by uh, Paul's rush in and his performance on his uh, first start for Hugo Palmer. Um, and uh, he, he did a lot of good late good work early on in I think it was a better race than this race that he's got to run in on Saturday um, he led from the start he showed a lot of good speed he's drawn well uh, for Chester uh, this time around he's got Stevie Donahue on board who's who's riding up out of his skin at the moment bit of resurgence he's um he's had three wins from his last eight rides including in the uh German 2000s on Maljum and he takes the ride aboard Fool's Rush in for Hugo Palmer so those are my two selections um as always new SBK customers will get 30 pounds in free bets by depositing 10 pounds T's and C's do apply that's a look at what is going to be a very busy Saturday this weekend. We'll be back, as I said, with a good preview of the Epsom Derby and Oaks next week. So lots to look forward to. Um, I'm sure we'll be uh, we'll be thinking much about our SBK ambassador, Richard Kingscote, ahead of a huge weekend for him on Desert Crown. Um, so we hope that you can join us then. But good luck and enjoy this weekend. Thanks to James, to Ross and to Tom as well.